0: well welcome to first part of horrible bosses if you're new to us or if you've often wondered how we go about or why we do what we do as far as the sermons go at Colorado Life Church. We want you to know we put a lot of time, a lot of effort. We, we think about what we want to talk about, and we spend a ton of time in prayer, praying for you, praying for, for us, and, and praying and asking God, Lord, would you lead us to what we need to look at next as a community? And um, just so you know, what, we do things in series, and, and any good series should— uh, here's, here's the elements that we look for in a good series as we're planning it series should be about life, they should be about God, and they should be about life with God. That's kind of our framework for picking out and working on series. I mean, first off, for life they should uh, a good series should intersect with our lives no matter where we're at no matter who's coming through the door if they're church people if they're not church people it, sh- it should be relevant to life in general and then of course it should be about God we, we you know as a church we feel like it, we just want to talk about God and his goodness as much as possible we look for reasons to just brag on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us uh, we look for excuses to do that so you got life you got God and then of course life with God God. Um, as a church, our, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ. We should be doing life with God. We should be encouraging one another. We should be challenging one another at times to pursue and, and step closer into that relationship with him. So that's kind of like a little bit of the why behind the what uh, when we choose series and series topics. And Horrible Bosses is, uh, we feel like it's a perfect series. I mean, if nothing else, it's so relatable. It's so prevalent. It's it's a part of all of our experiences. I mean, who hasn't had a bad boss? Who hasn't had a, a boring teacher? Who hasn't had a grumpy coach? Who hasn't butt heads with their parents at some point in time about, you know, how late you could stay out? Or like, why can't I have girls sleep over, mom and dad? I don't understand that. What this, you know... Um, yeah, that didn't, I didn't win that argument. Um, you know, th- all of us have had those um, power struggles with siblings before. Or coworkers, where it's like, no, I'm in charge. And it's like, no, I'm in charge. You know, we all play that, those games at some point in time. So this idea of horrible bosses works because it's a common experience that we've all had. Here's another thing that we have in common when it comes to the idea of authority. All of us at times daydream about what we would do or say in response to that bad boss, that, that authority over us that we have a hard time with. Don't we? I mean, we sit there and think about what we would do. For me, I was uh, when, I, when I was in high school, I had a teacher that I really disliked, and I would just like sit there and daydream, probably in the class, about what, you know, like, uh, her and I just getting into a huge argument, and just going back and forth, and you know, yeah, and you do this, and you do this, and like the, you know, the class is just watching it like it's ping pong, you know, and in in the end, I just, I just give her, you know, a zinger, I just send her a zinger, and all of a sudden, the class just starts going, Josh, 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 and I stand up on the desk, and the teacher's like you can't do that, but the, the class is like, Josh, Josh, you know, okay, so maybe I have a little bit of an overactive imagination. But uh, maybe you've had similar daydreams. Maybe for you it's like you've got this boss and, and maybe you're in a meeting and they do that thing that they do that gets on your nerves and you want to say something like, yeah, we can talk about the receding expenses as soon as we're done talking about your receding hairline and everybody's <laughs> laughing and you m- drop the mic and just walk out of the room, you know. Or maybe if you're a kid, you're a student, uh, you're a teenager, and it's like you, those are one of those arguments with your parents about something. And, and, and y- in your mind, you know, you're daydreaming about what you would say, and it's going back and forth, and, and you're winning the argument. With everything you say, it's just like, well, what about this, Mom? I mean, that's so stupid. I mean, really? Do you think that, Mom? You know, like, you're, you're playing that out in your brain, and finally at the end, you win. And they're like, I'm, oh, th- maybe your mom's crying. like, I'm so sorry. You're such a good kid. You're such a good kid. Here's the keys to the car. In fact, here's the keys to both cars. You don't even have your license. Just do what you want, though. We love you. No one else has these daydreams? Okay, good. I'm glad a couple of you have daydreams like this with me. We all daydream about what we would do in response to bad authority. We all think about what we would say, how we would quit, how we would rage out, what we would do to their car on the way out. These funny things. That's why we're doing horrible bosses, it's to keep us from living out our daydreams, hopefully to protect ourselves and, 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 and here's the thing, here's another thing that we have in common when it comes to um, uh, this idea of bad authority and we're going to put this up on the board but in, in, I, I'm going to say this is maybe something we have in common and maybe you feel differently but think about this for a second. I would say another thing we have in common is that our problem with authority can cause a lot of problems for us personally. And, and again, maybe you're like, I don't know about that, but also I'll go first. If I'm honest with myself, my problems with authority can cause a lot of problems for me personally. For instance, when I was in high school, I, a, another teacher that I didn't like, I had a lot of them, asked my mom about them, um, I had a, a Spanish teacher. And my rebellion against that Spanish teacher, you know what that meant? I didn't learn Spanish. And at the time, I'm like, I don't need to know Spanish. You know, you, that guy's stupid, and I, you know, I did my own thing. And then years later, I started doing uh, some missions work in Mexico with our, our church. And I got all of these wonderful people that became very good friends of mine, mainly through pantomiming, because I can't speak Spanish. I, and, and there was so many times, I'm like, man, why did I not pay attention? It's because I was mad. See, my problem with authority causes more problems for me personally than it did my Spanish teacher. Uh, another one is I, I I had a coach that I didn't like for basketball, and so I quit basketball. And the end result of me quitting basketball was I didn't get to play the sport that I loved to play. Well, that coach, that crotchety old coach, just kept on coaching. I really stuck it to him, didn't I? Plus, I stunk, so he's probably glad to see me go. But... Here's the thing. My my problems with authority. It's my problems. They end up with personal problems for me. I, I failed a class in college, statistics, because the teacher was dumb and I didn't want to do the homework. Guess who had to take stats again? Not the teacher. Me. That's <laughs> just what happens. Uh, I had a bit a difficult boss when I was when Chrissy and I first got married years ago, and I and it it was one of those bosses. They were just oblivious. He was just oblivious to what was going on. He wasn't doing it on purpose, but it drove me crazy. And I'd go home night after night, and I'd say all the things that I wish I could say. I'd say them to my wife. And I just carried this burden on me. You know, like, it, like, I was so frustrated. And then poor Christy, there'd just be times she's like, Josh, I feel like we're living in Groundhog Day. You do this every day. Can I just go to bed now? See, n- my problems with authority actually cause problems for Christy personally. <laughs> she had to deal with me. It was what we do. And, and, and maybe, I see what I would propose is that our problems with authority can cause a lot of problems for us personally. And I, I bet if you stopped and you thought about it, you would see that in, in attempt, a lot of times our rebellion against that person ends up hurting us more than it hurts them. It hurts us perso- personally. For you, maybe, maybe your story is you disrespected a boss. And, and you did it in such a way that it, it led to you being terminated. That's actually a really common story that, that because of gossip, um, because of what's posted on Facebook or email, in, insubordination, it, it's grounds for insubordination and termination. And we lose our jobs as a result of it. Um, that's a really common thing um, to get involved with office politics and have that go south. Speaking of politics, let's talk about politics quick because that's just, you know, kind of a neutral, calm, mild environment right now. (laughs) Maybe for you, it's like you're watching the debates and you get so fired up by this person and just even the thought of that person being president, it just fires you up and you get mad and you grab the controller, you throw it against the wall and it just explodes. You turn around and you realize your kid just watched you do that. And now they have to deal with the fact that you can get that mad at a television. See, that hurts you more personally. Your problem with authority harmed you personally. Your attitude. Uh, maybe, uh, th- we, I could go on and on and on, but the, the reality is, is, it can hurt us. That's all I'm wanting us to see here. As we go about horrible bosses, we're going we're to lay it out this way. We're going we're gonna to say it like this. Authority figures are unavoidable, that's the first point, that's just a fact of life. Second point is bad bosses are inevitable because authority figures are unavoidable, it's just inevitable before we have a bad boss. And third and last, our response is crucial. That's what we're going to learn through this series. Authority figures are unavoidable, it's just a fact of life. You know, bosses, teachers, managers, coaches, parents, the government, you, know, you might lose some here, and, but you'll just gain some later over here. And, and here's what I used to think when I, was, when I was, before I graduated high school, I was like, the older I get, the less authority I'm going to have over my life, right? That just makes sense. The more, you know, as my age increases, authority over me will decrease. And if you're a student in the room, I want you to know something. It's actually the opposite in life, and, and adults can attest to that. Yeah, it's so true. When, when you leave the house, you get more freedom, and you get a lot more choice, and it's great. It's, it's, those are great years. But with that freedom, with those choices, comes more responsibility. And, and, and you change this big authority, mom and dad, for all sorts of little bits of authority in bosses, in banks, in bills, in the IRS, the DMV, the PTO, the PTA, the HOA, I mean, honestly, by the age of 30, everything that has three letters wants a piece of you, <laughs> right? And if you're 18, you don't even know half of what I just read. You don't know half of those, and that's great. Enjoy it. And, and here's what I'm not doing. I'm not trying to complain. I'm not trying to gripe. This is just a fact of life. And honestly, adults, let's talk to you for a second, those things, those HOAs, those PTAs, those, all those things, those are things, most, some of them, the IRS, we don't choose. But a lot of them we do. Our mortgage, we chose that house. A lot of them we chose. And we were free to choose them. And in our freedom we said, this is worth it. Because of what it gives me. I mean, for crying out kids? That was like the worst idea ever. For my freedom. And I love every day of it. Okay, most days of it. But you know what I mean? If you're a parent, you you give, you voluntarily give up that freedom a lot. It's just part of life because authority figures are unavoidable. They're just a part of life. And because they're a part of life, it means that bad bosses are inevitable. It's just a matter of time. If you haven't had one yet, you're going to have one in the future. You might even, even if you have a bad boss and you change jobs, you're like, I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. The management's driving me crazy. I'm going to go work over there. Because I look at this boss, and I think they're a good, good boss. And you start working for them, and all of a sudden you realize maybe they're not a good boss. Or maybe they are a good boss, but they get transferred two years later. Or you get transferred, or they get promoted, or you get promoted. It's going to change. And eventually you're going to have another bad authority over you. It's inevitable. And here's the, here's the kicker. Our response, however, is crucial. And see, this is where we're going to camp throughout the series. Because the reality is, is those first two authority figures and bad bosses, those are just kind of constants. We can't do anything about that most of the time. The, The variable is our response. What we're in control of is how are we going to respond to the authority that is over us. That's what we have a choice in the matter And what we're going to find is our response is extremely crucial. In fact, it's not only is it crucial, it's more critical than we think. Because when we're in the heat of the moment and like we're mad at that person, it just seems like that's just stupid. I don't need to, I shouldn't have to worry about that. I want to move on. And what we're going to find out is it's actually connected to other areas of life. Our response is crucial because our problems with authority tend to usually lead to problems for ourselves personally. We've already talked about that a little bit. They have problems with us our relationally, like with Christy and I. She's the one that gets the brunt of my bad boss. Why? Because I have a problem with authority. But here's the other thing. There's another side of this. It has a, a, a role in our relationship with God, too. Not only does my, bad, my, my problem with authority affect me personally, it, ha- it affects me theologically as well. And we're going to see that here in a second, especially today. But throughout this series, we're going to kind of just bounce back and forth between the personal implications of our problems with authority as well as the theological implications. And I'm really excited to see, and, and, and there's a lot to learn here. And what we're going to find today is it's all intertwined. That our response over here ref- re- reflects and, and affects our response over here and over here, and ultimately up there, over there, with God. It's all intertwined, and what we're gonna find is that our problems with earthly authority have an effect on our willingness to submit to God if we're not careful. But vice versa. Our willingness to submit to God only helps us with with dealing with earthly authority. That's what we're gonna find out, and I'm excited for it. Um, so without further ado, I want to dig into our passage. This passage is found in Romans chapter 13. And as you would guess, it's, it has all, it's all about authority. So I just want to dive in. Uh, you, if you have a Bible, it's at Romans 13, verse 1. If not, it's up here. I'm going to read straight through the, the passages I want us to look at, and then we'll go back and look at them. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. That is, let everyone, everyone should submit some of the, maybe your Bible says, that everyone should submit or everybody be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, your boss, the government, every authority that's over you has been established by God is what he's saying. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority, you see how generic this is? The authority, I mean, that, that covers a lot of ground. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Skip down to verse 5. Therefore, because of all of this, it is necessary, again, to submit to authorities not only because of the possibility of punishment, that's usually when you and I uh, submit to authorities, is I might get in trouble if I don't. I just saw a cop, so I'm going to slow down. He's saying that uh, not only because of the possibility of punishment, but also because it's a matter of conscience. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read something like this, as someone who really wrestles with, and has a problem with authority over me, I don't like this. Because it's such a blanket statement, isn't it? Submit to authority. All of it? What if they're bad? What if they're evil? He, he doesn't give those outs. He doesn't talk about that. He just says, submit to authority. And, the, and here's three things that I want us to, uh, we need to understand. This, the guy who's writing this, his name is Paul. And he wrote about half of the New Testament. Uh, Paul has a fascinating story. He, he was not a Christian. In, in fact, the opposite. He was actually on, on a, a mission to kill as many Christians as possible and, in the process became one and then just like revolutionized and brought the Christian faith to so many different areas that other people wouldn't He used that zeal for God. Amazing story. And, and, he, and he writes this. And here's three things we need to understand about Paul's world because we could be, I look at a passage like this and I'd be quick to just write it off like well that maybe he that's you can submit to authorities in your world but you don't know my world so here's three things about Paul's world first it was not a perfect world it's not like all the authority he was able to say that because the authorities were good and it was just a peaceful time and it, it was quite the opposite he had bosses or guys in authority named uh Herod Antipas who who literally just decided one day to cut off John the Baptist uh, from, from you know, the, the Gospels, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, just to cut off his head, just for fun, really to impress a lady. That was one of, that was one of the, his you know, bosses over in authority. Another one, and a big one for Paul, was this guy named Nero. And some of us are probably familiar with that from school, Emperor Nero. It was, he was sadistic. He literally, this guy wanted to put a palace in a portion of Rome that was highly populated, so he just burned it down and then blamed Christians. He just lit it on fire, It literally burned for five days and said, oh, the Christians did that. And then there was all this recoil against Christians. And then he was able to build his palace. This is a guy who, this is also the same guy who would take Christians, put them on a spike, light them on fire, and use them to light his garden so he could have guests and walk around his garden at night. I mean, it's like everything had to do with fire. It's like he never, never turned eleven or something like that. He's just a ten-year-old boy lighting things on fire. That was, but that's Paul's world. That's that's this guy. I mean, that's who he did not live in a perfect world. Here's another thing we need to know about Paul: is you might get gathered from the verse like this that he's afraid of a fight, and the opposite it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. This is a very bold man who was really afraid of. Well, nothing. Honestly, this is a guy at this point in time, he, you know, he could have taken off his shirt and shown you his back that had scar after scar from being flogged not once, but twice. And he's still going. He wasn't afraid of authority. He, he wasn't out of fear that he's saying this. The other thing we need to know about Paul or about this verse is Paul is not alone in saying this. When he says submit to the authorities that are over you, He's not by himself. It's not like this is the only time in the Bible that talks about this. His buddy Peter talked about it almost identically in one of his letters, like submit to authorities. This is an important part of the Christian walk. Jesus himself, there's many times where he'd talk about, hey, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. Respect the authority that's above you. And all three of these men, Peter, Paul, John, Peter, Paul, Mary, Peter, Paul, John, Peter, Paul, Jesus, thank you, Peter and Paul and Jesus, all three of them, they knew, they knew what the implications of that statement. But they knew what they were saying by when they were telling people to submit to these authorities because all three of these guys ended up dying at the hands of Rome. That was their world. The reality was, Paul, Paul probably when he was writing this knew that there was a good chance he was going to die for this cause. And still, even though he writes this, he says this in verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And here's the reason why he says it. For there is no authority except that which God has established. He's helping us to see something here. So he says it again. He says it the same thing in a different way. The authorities that exist have been established by God. God established, like he, like he built them. He ordained them. It's inescapable. In other words, you could sum up this verse right here by saying all authority is God's authority. The authority over you, your parents, your boss, your teachers, Netflix, Netflix can come into your account and get $7.99 every month. That's a little bit of a... All those authorities, a, whoever's in authority, all authority is God's authority. There is no authority outside of his. And that's in Paul's, he says that twice. He's like, I want you to get this. Don't miss this. All authority is God's authority. A good way for us to look at this, or a good way to look at this, would to be to look at God as, as CEO. You know, picture an org chart you know, an organizational chart where the whole corporation or whole organization is on one sheet, everybody's name, the CEO's on top. That's God. Instead of, instead of CEO, it's for him, CEO is chief everything officer. Chief of everything officer because he created it all. In fact, if I was God, this is what I would do. I'd go on Google and I'd, I'd, Google org, I'd get every org chart that I possibly could find. And then I would just take a big old box and I'd put God CEO in the box on top and I just put that at the top of every org chart I'd reorg every org chart with me on the top God CEO just to mess with people because I'm sick of people like doubting that I exist you know all that stuff obviously God thinks this is a horrible idea because he's never done it but that's what I would do if God had a business card it'd say God and behind it he could have the initials chief of everything officer all authority is his authority Here's another way to help us kind of get what Paul is saying here. You can almost look like at God like he's a librarian. But instead of checking out books, he's, he's lending authority. Look, stick with me here. Authority is, is kind of like a book from the library. If it isn't yours, you can only have it for a time. And eventually you're going to have to give it back. Okay, so, so uh, authority is kind of like a book. First, it's not yours. It, it's on loan. It, and the thing is, when we get a book from the library, it might feel like ours while we have it. We even might say, hey, and like for me, I lose things all the time. So I'd be like, hey, where, have you seen my book? And Chris would be like, oh, you mean the library book? Yeah, my book. Because it feels like my, I, can do, I can put it where I want. I can lose it if I want, you know. But the reality is, is I'll only have it for a time. Uh, it's not indefinite. And and, and I want you to pick, I want you to grapple with this because we are in, all of us are in some sort of authority roles. But keep in mind, you're not going to be there forever. It's not indefinite. Can I talk to parents here for a second? And you know this. I just want to make sure, I want to reinforce it in our minds. If you're a parent of kids who are at home with you, that authority is only for a time. And there's going to be a time where you're going to have to give that authority back to God like a library book. And then it'll ha- what will happen? What will happen? And, and you see, w- the, the, and later on this passage, Paul talks about that, that God gives those rulers the authority to do good with it. That's his intention is I'm going to lend this to you and you have the choice whether to do good with it or bad with it. But the choice is yours. Parents, make good of it. It's, it's only there for a time. And then you're going to have to give it back because it's on loan. All right, I just realized, like, this whole librarian, th- I don't want you guys to leave th- thinking of God as a librarian. That's just kind of lame. So let's go back to the CEO thing. I think this is a really, really good thing for us to see. This is a really good way to, for us to look at God. I think it's very helpful, and here's why the sooner that we understand that God is at the head of every org chart, including ours, the easier it makes it to submit to bad authorities. The quicker, in fact, in fact, if this would be a great exercise. Take a piece of paper, blank piece of paper, put your name on it at, you know, at the bottom, and then list all of the authorities, the, one, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, the ones you like, the ones you don't like, all the people who have authority from, from a little bit to a lot of bit, over you. Fill up the page with it, but make sure you leave a good chunk right here on the top for God and then put in a big box God's CEO. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we recognize that God is the the chief officer of everything, the easier it becomes to submit to bad bosses. And here's why. First, we learn it from the passage here. That, that those authorities were established by God, and so here, when you decide—and this is so hard—when you decide to honor an authority over you, that's very difficult to honor. When you make that decision, what Paul is trying to help us see is, you're not just—you're not just honoring them; you're honoring God. When you submit to them, and, and see, we will miss this if we don't have our org chart out. If we don't have you know, God in his proper place on the throne in our lives will miss the fact and then what happens is we get tunnel vision, don't we? We get so focused on the individual. We get so focused on the bad job. We get so focused on the, the person who's just annoying or making our life miserable on a daily basis. We get so focused that we get tunnel vision. It's all about this and oh, I got to get, get out of here. And what we miss is is no, by, by honoring them, you're not just honoring them. You're honoring God. And so what we need to do is zoom out. We need to have uh, on, in our minds, yep, this guy is difficult, but I'm going to choose to honor him because God established him. And I don't understand that God because he's an idiot. I'm going to bring that up in heaven, but meanwhile, I'm going to honor him. And so, uh, and therefore, I'll honor you. That's, that's how that helps. Here's another thing that helps when we put God as CEO. Recognize him as for wh- what, who he is and what he is in our lives. When we see him as the chief officer of everything, we realize that he created us, and he created us in our image, but equally so, he created them, the idiot, in his image as well. And so by honoring, you know, like you're honoring not only God through that person, but you're honoring the, who God created that person to be. You're honoring the image of God in them. And it helps. It doesn't make it easy all the time, but it helps us take a step forward to honoring the difficult authority in our lives. If we zoom out, let's keep reading here. Verse 2, Consequently, Whoever rebels, so he's talked about, you know, God's established this, so if you, if you submit to it, you're honoring God. But what about the opposite? What if you dishonor that which he's established? He says, consequently, whoever rebels against authority, that's really rebellion against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. But there's a cost that comes to it for, for that is what he's saying. And, and this makes sense, like, hey, you really want to go faster than the speed limit tells you? You can do that, but eventually you're probably going to end up with a speeding ticket. Uh, you can badmouth your boss, you know, uh, maybe once, maybe twice, it, but eventually you might lose your job. It's kind of like cause and effect. That's just kind of how it works. Our earthly responses to poor, uh, um, poor uh, authority have earthly consequences. They bring judgment on us through the earthly authority, but also, and I think this what this passage is saying that there's judgment not just from earthly authority. There's judgment from God as well. That when we are not uh, willing to submit to earthly authority, there's cost to that. And, and here's here's what I think. This is this is my take. I don't necessarily. I think Paul's maybe alluding to this in the passage, but I'll just say this. When, when we have a problem with authority over here and we rebel, that authority, that rebellion usually trains us to do the same thing over here. Does that make sense? Parents, you understand this. My parents understood this. When I was a kid, and I was rebelling against these teachers that I just couldn't stand, and oh my goodness, I'm wrestling with them, This stupid, and and my parents would make the biggest deal about it. I was like, I don't understand, like why are we talking about this dumb teacher again? And it's because my parents understood something, that rebellion here can easily lead to rebellion here, and here, and ultimately here. Does that make sense? Rebellion over here usually doesn't lead to allegiance over here or over there. Our rebellion has a cost. And co- it might end in judgment to the point where we rebel so much that we're rebelling. We're, we're, we're so, it was so not able to submit to authority, we're not able to submit to the authority. It's consequences. And, and so that, this is another reason why Paul is saying, submit to the authority over you. I mean, honestly, and I want to flip this around a little bit because this is kind of like, oh, man, it's kind of heavy, kind of bummer. I think there's a real opportunity here. I mean, if you really think about it, our faith offers us an amazing, amazing opportunity. Not only, like, yes, you're going to have bad bosses. You can take that up with God later. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, our response to bad bosses can bring honor to God. Like like look at it this way it's like every time we run up against authority that's difficult we have a choice we have a choice to either submit to that authority as Paul talks about here and when we do we take a step towards our heavenly father it's a way for us to communicate maybe uniquely like in no other time can we do this it's a way for us to communicate god this is difficult for me but i trust you that's an opportunity or we can take a step away from God and say, "Not doing it. I'm going to go look for another job. I'm going to tell this guy off. I'm going to fill in the blank." See, it's an every because of our faith. Every bad authority we have over us is an opportunity for us to communicate to God that I trust you, our, to, an opportunity to to show our allegiance to the ultimate boss, the CEO. I want to end, and I'm so excited to end this way, because it's just a perfect, perfect metaphor, a perfect analogy of, of what we're talking about here. In the summertime, I get to the awesome opportunity to go up to a place called Rose Valley Ranch as their fly-fishing guide. It's something I've been doing for over 10 years. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's this ginormous ranch, thousands of acres, miles of river. It's a wealthy man who's just generous, who loves hosting people, and it's literally just a handful of his friends and family and, then a, and a bunch of us staff there to, to help them have a good time. And um, I'll go up there uh, again this summer, and, and, and I, I, I contacted Gary is the owner. I contacted him this week. I was like, hey, can I um, you know, share about Rose Valley Ranch? In fact, go ahead and put those pictures up. This is where I get to go, and this is what I get to do every summer. Those are some of the, the people that are friends of mine, and um, I called Gary up, I said, do you mind if I use Rose Valley Ranch as a sermon illustration? He's like, yeah, of course. What's the sermon? I said, well, it's called Horrible Bosses. <laughs> a little bit of explaining to do, because as you'll see here it, it, in a second, he's an amazing boss. That's why I keep coming back. Um but I go up there, it's, it's one of the most amazing places in the world. It's in northern Colorado between like right on the border of Wyoming and Colorado in the middle of nowhere. You just never know what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis. I mean, uh, there's there's high ropes course, there's ATVs, there's bike rides, there's river rafting, there's safaris we go on. We shoot guns, we shoot elk, we shoot grouse, we shoot stuff. It's great. Um, we, we have a blast and... and it just like one day, like there was just one day, I was fishing by myself, and and a moose, a baby moose, just walked out of the bush, and like I held out my hand, and it came and sniffed my hand. Not the smartest thing I've ever done, but it was awesome. Like just like things like that are happening all the time, and you just never know what's going to happen. And <coughs> food's amazing. Um, you know, you got steak, you got crab, lobster, sushi. The, the Gary is so generous that he feeds his staff the exact same food that he feeds his family and friends because he loves to make it a good experience for everyone. And what I, I truly love about it is, is the relationships that I've built over time, the family that I've gotten to know, like to watch the kids grow up and they're friends of mine. Um, I have some lifelong friendships that have come out of there. Some of you know Tara Seifert, uh, who helped us start this church. She, she, she and I met there at Rose Valley Ranch, and she... We just, you know, became friends, and she actually moved here to help us start this church. Um, That came from Rose Valley Ranch. So, so, but here's here's the point. Here's where I'm going with this. As much as I love Rose Valley Ranch, it's extremely important for me to know my place at Rose Valley Ranch. I'm not part of the family. I'm not one of their friends, although we have a friendship. But I'm not one of the guests. I'm a servant. And when I'm up there, I'm on the clock. And they tell me when to get there, and they tell me when I can go. And that's my role. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I love it, but I work my tail off as well. Ask Christy, I come back from those trips destroyed. I have so many stories, like, and we did this, and we did this. But the reality is that I, wake, I have to wake up really early to get things ready, to make sure, and there's times where they're going to do something. I was like, no, I need to stay here. I need to mop up here so that we're ready for the next fishing adventure because that's my job. I I carry a walkie. I can go, you know, there's times where I can go and do my own thing, but I always have a walkie-talkie on me and because they'll call and say, hey, there's someone who wants to go fishing. I'm like, all right, I'm there. I'm Johnny on the spot. I'm there at their beckoning call asking, you know, okay, you want me to jump? How high? That's my role. Now, I could decide one day that I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to work. And I could just go by the pool and take off all my clothes and lay in one of the you know lawn chairs. And you know, if Gary walks by, he'd be like, hey, Gary, uh, can you give me a pina colada? That'd be great, thanks, bud. I could do that. But that would probably be the last day I would be at Rose Valley Ranch, <laughs> right? In fact, I asked Gary once, I was like, hey, Gary, I set up the scenario just like that. I was like, would you let me do it? Like, if I did that, you'd fire me, right? He's like, you could do that twice, but you couldn't do it three times. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a servant. And, and, and here's, here's, I want to be free to be at Rose Valley Ranch. I, I hope this gig goes on for years to come. I love it. They know it. But I need to know My place. And more importantly, I need to come under the, the authority of Rose Valley Ranch, of the owner, in order to be there. I think life is the same. I think for you and I, there, there's the, the life that we long to have is found under God's authority. In fact, we're going to say it this way, and this might be a, a, something that comes up. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. In all of this talk about horrible bosses and submitting to authority, we need to know this. The maximum freedom, that freedom that you and I are born with, that freedom that we're crying out for as adolescents and fighting against our parents, which, by the way, that's just natural. It's just part of life. It's important, I would even say. Because we're born to want that freedom, but that freedom comes when we come under authority. Which, I mean, if you if you stop and think of it, it's counterintuitive at first glance, but it makes sense, doesn't it? The good God of the universe, the creator of everything that you love and enjoy, is just asking us to come and join him. Is asking us to come and trust him. Is asking us to make him our CEO. And when we do, we come under his authority. The freedom that follows, the freedom to be at Rose Valley Ranch is there. What's hard about this and where we wrestle with it is we have to serve. We have to submit. That's difficult. It takes time. But I I think the goal of this series is to maybe just week after week to take one more step towards submission towards trusting him and today i want you to really think about doing that with the authorities in your life your parents your teachers your bosses your coach whoever it might be the irs i'm going to file taxes this week let me end by saying it this way authority figures are unavoidable bad bosses inevitable our response is crucial. Because all authority is God's authority, therefore our interactions with the authorities over us are actually, they, they're actually opportunities for us to approve our allegiance to the great God, the CEO. And it helps us take steps under his authority, which is really good because that's where true freedom is found. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are good. I, I, I think I start most prayers by saying that. I just can't escape it. Lord, you're a good God. You want to give us good gifts. Um, help us to 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 zoom out. Help us to um, to not get tunnel vision. Not get so uh, um, focused on the injustices done against us because of bad bosses lord but help us to see that even though we can't see it immediately we don't know why we don't know what you're doing through them but we trust you enough to submit to them would you help us uh, do that would you help each of us this week Um, we want to step closer to you we want to do life with you thanks for not leaving us in the dark Thanks for calling out what we need to do through a guy named Paul 2,000 years ago who wrote, you know, this is what you need to do when it comes to authority. You're good. You're good God. Um, as we sing, would you, uh, would this be very pleasing to you? May what's happening in this room uh, be something that you, you love and adore. Amen.